0: Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 110th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle?
1: I'm great today, Cameron. How are you? I'm doing well.
0: Uh, just made a really big fantasy football trade. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's time for my team to tank, although... Two and you had a nice win. You had a nice yeah, win last week. Yeah, so... Uh, that's all I'll say about that because nobody wants to hear anything about that. We know that from all the jokes that are always made about that very thing. <laughs> uh, but that's what I spent most of my day doing uh, was just, you know, working those uh, trade working the phone scenarios. Lines. Yeah, calling up the other GMS. Yeah, I'm um, trying to make deals.
1: Well, I was trying to get a little trade action going, and you uh, you got the deal done with the same person I was trying to make a trade with. So, it's not lose. I'm not. We're, I'm not real happy with you right now. So.
0: See if we can get through it for this episode.
1: <laughs> Remain civil.
0: Uh, Kyle, we had a game against Tennessee. We are going to preview a matchup with LSU. Uh, we do have a few news items first. Um, f- this first one is basketball-related. Well, really all NCAA winter sports-related. Supposedly, there was going to be a vote today to decide on extending eligibility for NCAA winter sport athletes in the same way they did fall athletes, namely football. Uh, We couldn't find, as of recording right now, we couldn't find anything about a vote actually happening, but it was supposed to happen today, according to reports yesterday. Uh, That kind of blows my mind, honestly. I
1: I mean, I don't really have any hot takes for you. I mean, at this point, it's like, I don't even know what to think of it. Uh, I guess it's good for anybody that was affected by by it. Uh, but it's going to really, again, like football, it's going to backlog all the scholarships. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know how it, how it is for the high schoolers coming in. Yeah. Just a cluster.
0: So bizarre. Yeah. It just throws everything up in the air. Yeah. Like you literally just can't plan out for more than a year now. You can't plan out one year in advance with regards to scholarships. Yeah. Because you just have no idea what's going to happen.
1: What if you like? What if your whole team wants to come back?
0: I mean, there are times where a player does want to come back to a program, uh, and they are guided into transferring to another school. So perhaps that would be on the table in that situation. But yeah, I mean, that'd be such a weird spot to be in as a coach. If you're like, you know, figuring out your roster, I mean
1: And it's not like you can ask for them to tell you now either. So you're right. gonna have to you're gonna have to make that decision and it's then gonna be a quick turnaround.
0: So in football, you may not know this, but uh, are there scholarship limits just being adjusted according to like let's say you have ten players that stay for another year of eligibility are you just basically given ten free scholarships so that you don't have to pull them from
1: freshmen? I have no that, idea. That
0: seems like it would be the only way to make that close to acceptable.
1: Yeah. To make it actually helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that we're yet to find out how they're handling that. So that'll be that'll be nice to, to get some clarity on at some point if that ever does happen. Yeah.
0: I, I wanna only think about that when like one of these news stories comes up because when I try to think about it like in the midst of like talking about a game or something, like, oh, the one that always comes to mind now is, like, Larry Roundtree could come back for another season and destroy all of Mizzou's running back records. I think about,
1: I've thought about that both games so far. I'm like, oh, that was a nice run for Roundtree. He's (laughs) going to destroy the records.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we do think he has a chance to go to the NFL, so.
1: That, That might be a little bit different.
0: Yeah. I actually, I mean, if I've said this before, but I want him to go to the NFL because I like Mizzou players going to the NFL, but also I don't want him to mess up the record books by staying another year,
1: yeah, I'm sure everybody's in total agreement with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Preserve the record books. I mean, it's kind, it's it's a big deal. Is
0: <laughs> all right. Moving on. Uh, oh, Mantra, Mantra Edwards is transferring.
1: Yeah, that's a weird one. Um, again, I, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, the clearly you would think there would be an uh, a very a good opportunity for playing time for a young player. You, uh, a young player should be able to watch what's happening on the field and say, "Hey, I'm not far off from an opportunity to play." If it, I don't know, and he's a guy that kind of went back and forth in his recruitment too. He he committed. Uh, he then he decommitted very quickly, and then he re- recommitted later. So, um, you know, I, I obviously don't know Masha Edwards whatsoever, but he seems to maybe be a little indecisive, not know exactly what he wants, but. Wherever he does end up, I wish him the best.
0: I agree. Uh, Last news item I have is the upcoming LSU game uh, had a little location shuffle. It's going to be played in Columbia, Missouri. We're going to obviously preview that game here in a little bit, but Mm -hmm. uh, just your thoughts on our quick decision, probably the right one, almost definitely the right one to have that game in Missouri instead of Louisiana.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a a pretty big Deal, And I don't know if it's just because of the craziness of the year that we're already in where things seem so less, so much less, less stakes. E- yeah. Well, yeah. And just e- like for sure. And oh, I feel like it was like it was easier to move that game just because I feel like more people are, are in limbo, maybe more than a normal year. I don't, I'm not really describing my thoughts very well here, but
0: there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding college football. So yeah. what's moving it to Missouri, you know, and in- yeah. With everything else that's being weird this year,
1: yeah, they they made the decision very quickly and yeah. it seemed to uh, to go pretty easily. It was
0: like refreshingly easy to just be like, "Yep, this is a good idea. We're gonna do this. Everything's fine. Yeah, moving forward."
1: Right, and I'm not sure that it, that would have happened in a normal year. But Definitely not. Regardless, uh, yeah. So now it's an 11 a.m. 11 a.m. game. I'm not sure if they've announced, like, a television spot for that yet, but... Yeah,
0: there's, like, not a spot for it, basically. Yeah. So ESPN's going to have to uh, work their magic and create another alternate channel for it.
1: I think I did see maybe a few minutes before we started recording that the ESPN2 slot, the the game that was supposed to be there, might be postponed because of weather. So there's a pretty good chance they might be in the ESPN2 slot, but who knows?
0: It's all the same to me. I watch it on the app, so... All right, so let's unless you have any other last-minute news, let's dive into this Tennessee game as much as we can stand it. Um, well, where to begin? Uh, Missouri lost to Tennessee, thirty-five to twelve, and uh, Missouri is now zero and two. Tennessee now two and zero. I suppose the best place to start, in my opinion, is with that that opening drive for the Tennessee offense. It was kind of demoralizing uh, to watch as a fan. Um, I've got some notes on it, Kyle.
1: Okay, let's hear them.
0: So they were in a third and 10 situation and Missouri stopped them short, so it was fourth and one. And they just said, well, we'll just convert that really easily. Uh, Another third and seven, resulting in a long completion. Move the chains again. Then down towards the goal line, it was third and four, then uh, fourth and one, and uh, they punched it in with the, one of their running backs. And it just seemed like, I don't know, it seemed like M- Missouri's defense was doing everything they needed to do right up until Tennessee just kind of had their way with them. Yeah, I mean those those three plays, the the two fourth down conversions, and the big completion on uh, third and seven those three plays made the drive for Tennessee and outside of that Missouri looked really really good.
1: Yeah uh, the good thing was Missouri was better on third down as a defense uh, this game than they were against Alabama. The problem is I think Tennessee was 4 for 4 or something like that on, on they were 100% on fourth yeah. down.
0: And they kept getting those just Like almost no-brainer situations to go for it.
1: Exactly. There was no point where they did something super risky to go for it on fourth down. It was like a fourth and one in the spot on the field where you'd think it would make sense to go for it on fourth.
0: It was always a situation where the last thing I wanted them to do was go for it. Exactly,
1: yeah. You were always thinking, like, please just kick a field goal. Please just punt or something. But, uh, no, they were really good on fourth down. And, uh, Cam, I think this game confirm to us our fears that Missouri is probably going to have the worst they're going to be the underdog in the trenches pretty much every game they play this year outside of like Vanderbilt maybe Yeah. the the, the defensive line did not do anything (laughs) to stop Tennessee and Tennessee's O-line is really good they're huge they've got some NFL dudes up there for sure but man Missouri's D-line did not look interested in stopping their run whatsoever and didn't and really get a pass rush. They
0: will look better in that regard in the future, like you mentioned. And we talked about it in the preview, Tennessee's offensive line, probably second maybe in the SEC be, behind uh, Alabama. Mm-hmm. So, you know, seeing the we best, were for best that. two offensive lines back-to-back to open the season, you got to think it's only up from here uh, for the defensive line from Missouri. Yeah, they're just... Obviously, they miss Jordan Elliott, but that, I mean, a- any team would. Missouri misses anybody that can even come close to performing like Jordan Elliott even 50% of the time. Yeah. And they just don't they just don't really get a push on the interior, and they don't pressure the quarterback from the end. Yeah. And that's really all that you're supposed to do as a defensive line. Hey,
1: pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't do those things very well, do they? Yeah. And, uh, they are, have
0: flashes every once in a while, yeah. but just when you're consistently, when you're in offense and you're just consistently getting that push for your running game, and Tennessee has two pretty good running backs, um, they just took advantage of it.
1: JG was looking like Peyton Manning What's, at the beginning of that okay, game, too. Okay, so
0: another two for two, uh, two good offensive lines, another two for two, just the opposing quarterback just dropping balls right into the hands of receivers yeah. and then also receivers just making incredible plays
1: yeah it, yeah it really felt like the receivers caught everything and jg was just he was throwing some beautiful balls and yeah. i was just like man this is really demoralizing to watch yeah. because you watch and we'll we'll get to basil in a minute and i think that we're excited about his future but it felt like oh my gosh like it it's so difficult for us to do anything on offense like to, to complete a pass is like celebrate celebrate that because it's like we make it look so difficult yeah and other teams are just like tossing yeah. beautiful passes and yeah. the receivers make tough catches so uh, and, it was and frustrating. Uh, Garantano does have a lot of experience
0: playing college football against SEC defenses and um, maybe he's and he hasn't he hasn't always looked great or even good sometimes. So if he's putting together a season here, um, then Tennessee fans would say, "Well, it's about time." You know, they're not thinking that he's Peyton Manning, but um, <laughs> he probably doesn't get compared to Peyton Manning very often. <laughs> probably not. Maybe you know, only by uh, us, lowly Mizzou fans.
1: Yes, us emotional Mizzou fans. <laughs>
0: exactly. Um. It just seemed like every time Tennessee needed that play, they they had it and it helps when you're coaching it seemed like the coaching staff was just on the same page like we're just going to be ultra aggressive like there was another fourth and one that they got later in the game and they were airing it out they were never just like kind of giving up on a drive they were never just running the ball um on a fourth and more than five to you know just kind of be resigned to just punting the ball back to Missouri they were always trying to drive down the field attack mode yes and
1: they were creative and with the play calling too they really mixed it up and didn't get too stagnant with with running too much or or whatever they they definitely uh, kept Missouri guessing on uh, on how to cover
0: so let's talk about the Missouri offense because that's probably one of the things that everybody wants to hear uh Sean Robinson started this game he did not look good. Uh, Connor Bazelak came in for his normal second quarter, uh, third drive of the game. Here you go. See what you can do. And then uh, he played the rest of the game. Sean Robinson didn't take another snap. Uh, tell me your thoughts just on that decision, first of all, to after Robinson had two lackluster would be an understatement drives. and Bazelak didn't do anything too incredible but then they were just like okay here you go you got the rest of this game show us what you got
1: a fault of mine might be almost that i'm too patient with situations like that i'm, I'm not usually the person that's like pining for the backup quarterback and like uh, you know the starter makes one mistake and i'm like ah get him out of there but in this situation i was like please get him out of there because nothing is going right and you know what i i think that the play calling may have changed too when basil got in there but and, and maybe that says even more that they don't they didn't trust Robinson to go in there and throw the ball and I, honestly when I watch highlights of Robinson at TCU I felt like he had a pretty good arm I'm like what why is he all of a sudden trying to be or are they trying to use him like Lamar Jackson right when he clearly has the ability to throw Okay and- so
0: that's a, a huge thing that I wanted to talk about with you because that seemed so obvious when Bayeslight came in for that first um, series. That it was just like a completely different offense yeah. all of a sudden. And not because Baselack was executing the same plays that Robinson couldn't. It was like we have a different game plan now exactly. with this quarterback. And I had the same exact thought. Like Robinson's not a running back. Like he's not a Wildcat exclusive uh, quarterback that you just, that you only run options with. Like that's not what. He was billed as that's not what he was coming out of high school. That's obviously not what he was at TCU. So where's the disconnect between the, what's going on? What's the difference in the coaching staff's mind between the play calling for Bayslake and the play calling for Robinson. And obviously most of the time we're going to give the play callers the benefit of the doubt, and they're the ones watching these guys in practice, there's I guess there's something there with Robinson where they just are not comfortable with him throwing the ball at right. all because like his attempts were right around the line of scrimmage.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They were even worse than than they w- it was against Alabama. That was a concern for me coming out of Alabama was, I mean, Robinson, yeah, I guess he was efficient, but he's not, he still looks like he's not trusted or he's choosing not to throw the ball deep. And that was amplified times 100 against Tennessee. Yeah. And he only had two drives. And, you know, it's like part of me feels like, our, you know, he'd probably do better if he just had some more chances. But at this point, I think Bazelak has proved he's good enough that Robinson probably shouldn't get any more chances. You know, we the, the offense just looks so much more smoother with Bazelak in there.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think Bazelak should be the starter going forward. I just wish that, I don't know. I feel like there's always going to be now this thing in the back of my mind or in the back of the fan base's mind. Like, did we give Robinson the full shot here? And if we had seen the same kind of play calling, and and like you said in the Alabama game, it, it didn't look like the play calling was the issue as much as it looked like Robinson just not willing to pull the trigger uh on some deeper throws so i don't know this is this is why i hate not having a the for sure guy at right. quarterback uh, i mean you're just i'm just going to end up second guessing everything that happens at the quarterback position the rest of the season unless bays like performs honestly it needs to be better than this game yeah. moving forward for me to be like well Everything's fine, you know. All's well that ends well. Yeah,
1: I think I think Robinson deserved a different kind of chance than the one he was given. He went out and just, like, like you just said, he it was like he was. They were trying to use him as a running back, and I think that he brings more to the table than he was allowed to, or to, to show maybe. Yeah, and or at least what it looked like. So I still at think, least in this Tennessee game, one hundred percent. And I, I still think that we will see Robinson. I think they will still play two quarterbacks um maybe not a whole lot but I, I definitely don't think we're done with robinson completely but maybe we are i don't know um should be interesting though
0: yeah if you if you are now thinking that you might like reverse the roles and bring robinson in for a couple or three series a game it can we even expect like i feel like the defense is just going to assume that every play is going to be a run or a dump off or a screen
1: exactly uh that's very possible yeah I know Ole Miss kind of runs two quarterbacks and one of them is definitely a better runner than uh, one of them it's like the running quarterback Mm -hmm. but sometimes it just works but Mm -hmm. I don't know I, I just didn't I did not love how they were using Robinson clearly and I think that they had like 13 total yards in the first quarter against Tennessee so just wasn't working out. And
0: he didn't do anything to help himself out. No. You know, he wasn't making any plays, um, despite the play calling. No. So, not uh, that's not a good recipe. Uh, there were some key moments in this game that I did want to bring uh, bring up and see what you thought. Uh, how about that, that targeting call that was eventually uh, overturned? Uh, it was early in the game. Uh, Jeffcoat, I think. It was like the most perfect hit you can imagine and i was like until they overturned it i was furious and i just knew that they weren't going to and i was you know what is football in 2020 i was going <laughs> all the way there we're soft now yeah yeah and then uh, thank goodness they overturned it and yeah i uh, but that really made me nervous
1: yeah i definitely w- i'm right there with you i was like well they never reached they never overturned this kind of stuff and i always feel like Like 90% of the time, they're making the wrong decision or something like that. But, uh, yeah, it was refreshing, I guess, to see them uh, get together and make the right decision on that.
0: That was one play um, that I wanted to spotlight from the defense. Another was uh, Martez Manuel recovering a fumble, but then that was overturned or uh, negated by a penalty. And on the targeting play, there was a – should have been an interception – on the other end of the throw uh, from JG when he took that hit. And there was two plays there. Obviously, one, the targeting didn't happen. So if uh, I think it was Rake if he catches that, then uh, it's an interception and Missouri's got the ball in good field position. The other one, Missouri did have the ball in good field position, but uh, an illegal hands to the face negated that fumble recovery. So those were two plays there where I was like, man if those just break slightly different then Missouri's in business uh, yeah on both of those and then um we still have a little bit more to talk about with Bazelak but uh it seemed like Missouri's defense over and over again whether it was getting stops getting Tennessee to fourth down getting these almost turnovers it seemed like there was they were right there mm-hmm. on the edge of really um quieting Tennessee's offense and just couldn't quite get it done
1: yeah, it was just the like we talked about earlier. I think it was just unfortunate <clears throat> how many times they were put in that fourth down situation, and they they get off the field um, if they just if it's like a fourth and three. I think mm-hmm. they get off the field, and they just needed to to be a little bit a little bit sharper than they were. I think the secondary played played okay. I, yeah. I don't think the safeties looked quite as good as they did against Alabama, but it's like we said earlier you can only do so much when the quarterback has all day to throw and yeah. you got to cover guys for so long it's just it's harder
0: yeah of course when that uh fumble turned into a penalty uh Tennessee just went right down the field and scored a touchdown yeah
1: it's demoralizing mm-hmm. when when things like that don't go well your I think it was actually the next play was it that literally run. was the next yeah. play it was like a 20 or 30 yard run yeah. yep
0: so uh less about the quarterback controversy or competition more just basil performance in this game um he had a play that stuck out in my mind was a huge third and 10, uh, conversion to Jalen Knox, where he threw a really good pass. And that was just, that's a conversion that I don't know if you gave, if you gave Sean Robinson with the way the play calling was going, 10 tries at a third and 10, I didn't see anything that had me thinking he was gonna, I w- I was so pessimistic every third down in the Alabama game. Mm-hmm. And that carried over to this Tennessee game until Bazelak showed, hey, I can actually convert some of these. Right. So there's a big third and 10 there. Um, later in that same drive, it was third and six, and Jalen Knox dropped, and it would have been right at the sticks, maybe a first down, maybe just short, but potentially they go for it if it's like fourth and less than a yard, um, and they had to settle for a field goal. But there were some plays like that where – Bayslac was making the play, and with the with the second throw to Knox down towards the goal line, it was you know right around the ten yard line or so. Um, that that play, I feel like that drive should have ended in a touchdown, and there's one later that should have as well, um, that changes this game if they can get it in the end zone. But Bayslac just making the throws in the big spots as big as you can get when you're losing to Tennessee. Um, it just seemed like he was ready for it.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of what if moments in this game and and two of them were the the penalties and stuff that we just talked about, but another one was just what if we finished a couple of drives in the red zone. There was a huge interception in the fourth quarter probably. I think we were down by two scores and driving mm-hmm. and things, you know, I didn't think I didn't think we were going to come back and win the game at that point, but I definitely thought we were about to make it competitive and so that interception hurt, but overall I thought Bazalek looked really good. Um yeah, you know, like you said he, he looked very um confident in those kind of downs that there's not a lot of hope you know mm-hmm. a third and long or something like that he proved that he can make that fourth those. and one
0: throw to christopherson
1: yes christopherson's first career catch man what a way
0: to start i was kind of panicked like when that play started i was like oh yeah, my gosh, I know. what is happening what, is, right what now? are you doing yeah this play's going nowhere yeah and then they just kind of lofts that up there and he was covered and he just comes down with it like, yeah oh, okay
1: perfectly placed uh great catch and then he, he ran for another 10 yards or so after he caught it so that was a nice looking play considering the tight ends have been lacking so far that was that was pleasant to see but you know honestly one thing that would go a long way for basilak is the receivers catching the ball <laughs> and you mentioned the drop by by Noxie he had a couple drops that just can't continue to happen the jacento and- one Oh my I was, god! I mean, I literally was like, go, I was freaking out when that happened. I was so. I mean, you couldn't like place the ball more perfectly than than where if he you If you wanted that. to
0: get really, really picky, it was kind of like on his back. I guess it was a like a bit. little bit he, behind him. But I mean, I, I yeah. do think he still. Even if he catches that ball, he probably gets tackled yeah I, just because he lost his momentum yeah I, a little d- bit. I do think that he probably did it wasn't good. a sure thing touchdown but yeah. yeah I mean that was still uh like 40 yard play right there at least yeah I've changed things
1: yeah I would have been huge but one thing I do love about Basilak is the touch he puts on on the ball I always thought that was one thing that if drew lock struggled with anything sometimes i thought it was that that sometimes he just like threw the ball too hard it was just like almost looked like it was difficult to catch because it was just like a frozen rope yeah. like throwing it to people and stuff i think he got
0: better at that mm-hmm. it seemed like though he lock had like a specific inability with like crossing routes over the middle mm-hmm. where he would just fire it like 500 miles an hour yes yeah. like it seemed like he had decent touch like i'm imagining like a uh, emmanuel hall or somebody like, like streaking down goal. yeah yeah a decent touch on the long ball, but when it was like a crossing route or yes. even just like a screen pass the sometimes, he stuff. would just zoom it in there. I'm yeah,
1: like, I think that's one thing Bazelik does really well is is throw a catchable ball. Yeah, and I think that's something that gets overlooked, but uh, maybe not catchable enough because the Mizzou wide receivers combined for nine receptions in this game with Hazleton, uh, Knox, and Chisholm combining for, for nine catches, and I believe they had five or six drops. Yeah. So nearly as many drops as they had receptions from wide receivers, that's pretty ugly.
0: Yeah, when your top three receivers all have at least one just egregious drop, and that's not even counting Jacinto's just.
1: Yeah, yeah. that can't happen. Yeah. So got to finish in the red zone, and the wide receivers and tight ends have to be better. And uh, But I definitely think there's a lot to like, and, you know, it's it's fun watching a new quarterback come in there. It's like an opportunity every play, right? And uh yeah, you, you have you have a little bit different expectations. So
0: there was one play where the announcers were specifically talking about Beizlik like keeping cool and like, man, he just like nothing phases him back there. And right the very next play, he like dro- drops the snap and just picks the ball up off the ground and throws it for a first down. Yeah, and they're like, I mean, as an announcer, you can't draw it up any better than that for a guy to just seriously pull something like that off right after you're done complimenting that aspect of his game
1: i love seeing that from him i mean that was like wonderful games and chip he yeah. just he picked yeah, it up immediately panic. eyes downfield he knew where the wide guy. receiver yeah. was going to be and chisholm was ready for it too chisholm that was like a 28 yard pass play that was yeah. like one of the biggest plays of the whole game it was yeah. like a complete accident
0: um there were two pretty big mistakes from bayslack one uh You alluded to already the interception but before we uh talk more about that there was a a sack that he took where he just i don't know that's tough because he was trying to complete a pass like all the way up until he was on the ground he had his eyes downfield trying to make something happen and i don't know every the 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 play was kind of behind him yeah and the defender was coming from behind and just took him out
1: yeah he's got to be a little bit more aware of the pocket
0: but that's going to happen sometimes. Yeah, that happens um,
1: to even the best quarterbacks yeah. in the NFL. Sometimes
0: the interception though was a little bit more. Uh, I don't know. I was a little bit more disgusted by that one because they again were driving, and uh, just like from the second he let go of it, it's like okay, this kind of like fluttering in the air a little going too across long across the and, field a yeah, little bit, and the defender was able to step right in and take it. Um, of course, then that turned into a touchdown on the other end with a. Another fourth and one QB sneak. Yeah. Tennessee was doing something on those sneaks at least a couple times where JG would come up and they basically, uh, you know how a team will try to draw the other team offsides. Mm-hmm. They would do that and then kind of just quickly really snap it. Like before, they would kind of like fake snap it, take a beat, but it was faster than you would expect. When a team's like getting reset for the play, and twice the Missouri defensive line relaxed a little bit after the fake snap, and that's when they snapped it, Hmm. and he just had like two yards both times, kind of frustrating.
1: Yeah. Also, their O line is pretty good.
0: True, but
1: (laughs) but yes, I I know what you're talking about. Yeah, they were they timed it well. They were just
0: like kind of being tricky with it, and I was like, okay, you're already good. Like that's just a little unfair.
1: Did you see some of the players talking about? Uh, the Tennessee defensive players clapping to mess up the Mm-mm. snap count. I saw that in a that's uh, illegal in a uh, in an interview. I guess maybe yesterday, or a couple of days ago, that the Missouri offense offensive players were, were saying that the Tennessee players were trying to mess them up with clapping and stuff because that's how they they yeah. hike the ball. And I guess they were trying to I think tell that, the refs I about. I think that it. really
0: is a penalty. Yeah. Is it really? So, yeah.
1: I I don't know, but the obviously the refs didn't call a uh, a penalty on that. Producer Cameron said yes, it is. Thank you, Producer Cameron. Thank you, Research Department. And uh, I don't. Is that something that teams could, like future teams that will play, could see and and try to use against us, or is that well just kind of splitting hairs? Or? If,
0: if they could, but I think now that that's become public, I think if I were Coach Drinkwitz, I would say, hey, listen. This already happened to us once. Can you be on the lookout for this? Yeah. Because another team might try to do this. But uh, I remember there being kind of like a big big case of that uh, where a team had to tell the ref, like, this is what they're doing. Hmm. And it worked a couple times, but then they got penalized for it. Uh, Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, Harrison Mevis, He's looking pretty good. After that sack that we talked about from Bazelak, uh, he just booted a 50-yarder. Looked perfect. Mm-hmm. He had a chip shot earlier. Looked perfect. Build oh, we, we got our guy. We got our we guy. Got our guy at kicker. Yeah, for four years, hopefully, maybe five. How does that? So <laughs> don't even ask me.
1: <laughs> we'll take it for the. We'll take it for a decade.
0: <laughs> uh, well, five years minimum. Uh, he's, gonna be, he's gonna rewrite the record books.
1: <laughs> Which I'll, you wouldn't like that. So <laughs> well, it would, it would bother me a little. bit <laughs> You'd rather bit. see him go.
0: <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it from the kicker i'm fine with it um trey williams had a tackle for loss he had a nice play there but and uh jeff coat was in the backfield a couple times with tackles for loss but other than that not much they show some
1: flashes um isaiah mcguire had a nice sack Mm -hmm. um but just needs to be more consistent
0: all right let's talk about larry roundtree I think he had a very good game, all things considered, had a couple big runs. I swear he had two runs in this game that were longer runs than he had in a single time all of last season.
1: I remember that was a pretty hot topic that we had at the beginning of last year was why are the running backs not breaking any long runs? It felt like two years ago, Roundtree did that a lot. And, uh, you know, we talked about the offensive line last year, maybe that being an issue, but... I agree. This year, he's come out. He's looked very strong, and he's breaking tackles. He's looking very agile for being a little bit of a bigger back. So he's he's really impressed me. Tyler and Beatty hasn't done as much on the ground, at right. least.
0: he has contributed in the passing game. Obviously, had the touchdown in the first game, and uh, had a a pretty big catch in this one as well. Um, he had a couple catches, I think. I got the stats right in front of me. I could tell you, but
1: yeah, yeah, I, I think that so far, you know, it's been a really small sample size, but. So far in these two games, Larry Roundtree looks to me like he could be an NFL player. Um, oh, yeah. And I'm not sure I've ever been super sold on that. But this year, he, he looks like he's got the speed and the agility to overcome being a little bit bigger back and, yeah. and run over guys.
0: Yeah, uh, he's been talked about as kind of like a dark horse uh, NFL running back, NFL caliber running back for the draft uh, by some of the draft analysts, uh, specifically SEC people um yeah hopefully i I mean at this point despite what you your disagreements may be i hope tennessee is legit and i hope that they win a bunch of games this year and we can look back on this and say well tennessee was really good we didn't know how good they were at the time but they're solid and losing to them was not is not an embarrassment
1: yeah in the last few years they've started slow but they have looked pretty good this year and i think they will have a pretty good year unfortunately
0: I agree that it is unfortunate, but at this point, I'll kind of be rooting for them.
1: Ooh, I don't know if I can say that.
0: You don't have to. That's okay. <laughs> uh, anything else on this Tennessee game? The The very, very end of the game was just kind of uh, that interception and then Tennessee running the clock out, so there wasn't a whole lot left. But there was that point. I mean, when Missouri was driving, it was it was 28-12, to 12, and i really thought that there was a chance they could cut cut the lead a little bit but man they were they were so close a couple times really making it a game i think yeah next up lsu lsu is 1 and 1 obviously we talked about the them uh, kind of getting destroyed well their defense got destroyed by mississippi state in week 1 um, then last week they beat Vanderbilt 41-7, to seven, and uh, they're now ranked 17th. So they've been kind of jumping around a little bit in the rankings. They went from 6th to 20th, and now 17th. I don't know, a win over Vanderbilt. I don't know if that should really move you up in the rankings. but
1: uh, Yeah, they got one of their really good secondary players back in this game against Vanderbilt that was not on the field against Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State and Vanderbilt are apparently pretty different opponents, so uh, that was clearly a difference on the field for LSU, but I think they uh, maybe got a a reality check uh, in week one and said, all right, we got to take care of business.
0: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, Miles Brennan, the LSU quarterback, threw for 337 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception. As a team, they ran 32 times for 161 yards. That's good for five yards per carry. Vanderbilt is not good at football. Of course, they were not good at football last year when they beat Missouri and got Barry Odom fired. So uh, we'll talk about Vanderbilt later on in the season. This time we're talking about LSU. Um, I think it was pretty obvious to me, at least, that they were going to bounce back to some degree um, after kind of getting hit in the mouth week one. And, uh, as we see later, uh, Mississippi state did not have a good week too. So that kind of made that loss look even weirder for LSU, especially considering they just came out and handled business against Vanderbilt. Um, the game obviously now moved from Baton Rouge to Columbia in a different year that might affect things a little bit more. And in a different year,
1: they would probably be at a neutral site, not in Colombia, yeah, maybe that was why they were so willing to change locations. Is because it doesn't really matter that much <laughs> because there's probably no, there's very little crowds. In yeah, the I saw I
0: saw some speculation that they could reschedule the game for November seventh, but LSU always has a bye before the Alabama game, and LSU fans speculated that there's no way they would give up that off week before that game.
1: Also there's no way they were playing at eight o'clock because they uh, it would have been a late night for them.
0: Oh right. I did hear about that. That that was uh. That
1: was kind of annoying, but also I guess they're having to go back to like hurricane weather, so maybe it had something to yeah. do with traveling in daylight, so I understand. But it was yeah. kinda like, oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Um Kyle, is there anything anything that Missouri can do based on the first two weeks of the season, anything that they can just really something that you've seen maybe they've got the potential for they just haven't quite realized it yet something they can do to be competitive in this game against lsu uh
1: honestly i feel like you could say that about pretty much any unit on the field (laughs) uh i really i you know i think basilak can be better in this game i think larry roundtree could have a nice game i i just would like to see some kind of something we can get excited about on offense i guess you know i think that we feel pretty confident that our defense can be acceptable um this season but the offense is really the question mark and i think i'd like to just to see us go out and and look good and and the wide receivers catch some passes and like score a touchdown you know like it just felt like that was such a, that was such an incredible task yeah against tennessee it was like oh my god if we can't score a touchdown we can't just have a, a drive that that goes down and and scores. (laughs) As simple as that sounds, um, I would just love to see that happen a few times against LSU.
0: Yeah, I think um, the wide receivers kind of stick out in my mind as uh, an area that can improve and absolutely needs to improve for the offense to do anything. Um, Not only just catching the ball, but I don't know. We kind of need to see them catch it to see what they can do after the catch. Uh, But we know Jalen Knox is capable of it. I want to see something from Hazleton and Chisholm um, to kind of show that they are the weapon, truly the weapons we think they they could be, Mm -hmm. because every team in the country has a set of wide receivers that can catch a ball for the most part.
1: I want to see Coach Drinkwood to navigate a close game. I want to see uh, what happens when we get into the fourth quarter and the game is still undecided. That's something we have not seen yet.
0: Right. One thing that I did like, though, um, in both games so far is the fact that they just... He, at least on offense, never stops calling the game. He, he's not calling it like it's a one-possession game, but he's calling it like there's two more quarters to play all the way until the end. Now, I guess that breaks down a little bit because they went for it on 4th and fifteen the last offensive possession of the game against Tennessee but if you can get my drift they're not just running the ball running the ball running the clock out once things are pretty much decided he's still trying things trying to figure out what's going on
1: yeah I think he realizes that the offense just needs reps I think that he also realizes that they're all in a new scheme and the scheme is complicated and they just need to execute it to get better and I you know at I think he probably knew that they weren't winning the game by you know by the time the third quarter rolled around and said let's just let's just get these guys some reps and I think that's what he's done in both games so far. Right. So I agree with you. You have to do that.
0: I, I do think there's been other coaches though, and other coaches right now at different programs that just kind of shut things down in the second yeah. half of those type of games. Let's
1: just get on out of here. Yeah. And call it a day.
0: Right. Um, okay, so the offense improves a little bit. Uh, defense does their thing can Missouri make this game give me some kind of give me your thoughts on what kind of outcome is gonna we're gonna have in this one
1: yeah man LSU has been all over the place and it's really kind of hard to gauge where they're at and uh, you know Vanderbilt had a pretty decent performance in week one so I didn't think they were going to get totally rolled by LSU but they did And So if LSU comes out with let's take care of business attitude, then maybe this game isn't very close but I I think that Missouri has the ability to to make it pretty close and The the freaking defensive line man has to show up that's that's probably like the biggest key is if They continue to kind of just be a bunch of dudes then LSU is gonna run for 200 yards on them and that's how that's how offenses don't get a lot of opportunities is when the other team just has these long drives that they run the ball the whole time and there's nothing we can do to stop them. And that's what
0: I'm, that's what I've always been afraid of with this start to the season. And with the question marks Missouri has on offense is they're just going to be in game situations, you know, in the first half where we're, where we know, okay, this is no longer a close game where we're really going to see what's going on with this offense. Yeah. And they're, they're just – the pressure is will be different. And now the pressure at the quarterback position was going to be high no matter what the score was. Um, both players probably felt like they really needed to perform or else um, they'd move on to the next guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Bazelak's going to come out and know that uh, this is his job. And
0: uh, – Yeah, I guess we didn't really – that could technically be a news item that uh, he has been named the starter for the LSU game.
1: <laughs> I suppose you're right. Um I'll say LSU wins this game, but I'll say it's 38 to 28. And Missouri is somewhat in it in the fourth quarter, entering the fourth quarter.
0: I like it. I like it. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um Yeah, I am actually not going to differ with you at all. I'm going to say that you you pretty much got it nailed down there. Wow. Uh <laughs> however, I'm afraid that last score for Missouri is going to be more like garbage time. And instead of LSU pulling away late, it's going to be Missouri trying to claw back into it and scoring late. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I hate to, I don't know, be the one that's settling for mediocrity, but I think that I am just going to be happy. Like I've, like I kind of was after Alabama I'm going to be happy with the just progress we make i want to see us improve on the things that we didn't do well last week and as long as the game is competitive i think i'll be satisfied and if it's a game then that's great but i think if we get blown out again it's really demoralizing yes just i don't want to see that happen
0: but there could be there's there's a blowout that exists that wouldn't make me feel so terrible you know like a like a 40, like a fifty-one to thirty-eight blowout, and Missouri's offense scores uh, twenty-one points in the first half. Then I'm less worried because at least we know that side of the ball has some life. And and now our defense sucks. Well, <laughs> that could easily be written off as a as a one-time thing. More easily than a third no-show in a row from the offense.
1: Fair point.
0: So, but obviously that's unlikely considering what we know about this Missouri team. Mm-hmm. Um, a blowout is more likely to be a low-scoring you know, Missouri yeah. offense. Yeah, yeah, forty-one to seventeen or worse, something like that. All right, uh, it's probably going to be an O and three start. Buckle up, settle in. It's a long season ahead of us. Still a lot of games to be played.
1: We knew this would probably happen. Yep. Nothing has been all that surprising yet. Yep. We've got, sp- we got some
0: manageable games coming up on the schedule. Yeah.
1: Buckle in and
0: it'll yep. be all right. Yep. This is year negative one for the Drinkwitz era. It's not even year zero. <laughs> all right, uh, producer Cameron, you want to give us some games to pick? We're picking the SEC plus Nebraska. Or Do they play this week? Let me check. It's a Big Ten playing football
2: this year. Yeah, the first game's the 24th for Nebraska. Oh, wow. Hey, you guys did it.
0: You might have to remind me next week and the week after that until it's actually happening. But in the meantime, we'll just pick the SEC. Uh, Can you remind us kind of what happened last week and where we are
2: points-wise? So going into last week, Kyle had five picks, right? Cameron had four and then this past week kyle picked up six points and cameron picked up five so kyle is in the lead still wow 11 to 9
1: unprecedented
2: and we both picked
0: an upset last week we both picked Olmis over tennessee or over kentucky which that was an overtime game but we were right about that one mm-hmm. and then uh i don't know for some reason i picked auburn and Obviously, they lost to Georgia, and you were just like, "Yeah, Georgia's going to win that."
1: <laughs> I was watching—I uh, don't know—this stupid panel like before the game started on Saturday morning with like Tim Tebow and some other clowns, and they all picked—they uh, <laughs> all picked Auburn, but w- they also all picked Tennessee. And I was like, "All right, we'll see." Oh, and it yeah. i hate that so much. Whenever they're like, I think Tim Tebow literally was like, uh, "I got Tennessee in this one. They got a better offense. They got a better defense." And I was like, "All right." we'll see about that tim and then like <laughs> literally he's exactly right and i was like that sucks <laughs> yeah. but they all picked they all picked auburn they're all wrong
0: ah uh, me and tim man yeah, that's too bad all right what do we got this week
2: all righty first up it is number four florida at texas a&m florida is a six and a half point favorite texas a&m is ranked 21st
0: wow Florida, Florida is good, Kyle. Florida's really good. They're gonna
1: win that game. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I would agree with that.
1: I would definitely take uh, no twelfth man. Florida cover that. No
0: twelfth man advantage in Texas A&M <sighs> in College Station.
1: Six and a half. You said the spread was. That seems yeah. small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A&M's been pretty disappointing.
0: Yeah. Uh, will, they reg- will they regret? Will
1: they regret? Regret uh, hiring what's his name? Jimbo, Jimbo. Fisher they'll uh regret having what's his face
0: yeah uh yeah i'll take florida can <laughs> you think
1: of his name what, yeah i'll take florida what type of person are we talking the about a coach or no, a the quarterback kid that like, oh i don't actually came know into him. missouri and then oh my gosh james, james foster. foster yeah <laughs> they'll regret having him
0: yeah. literally nobody in college station knows who that is
1: <laughs> jimbo doesn't even know who he is anymore yeah all right all right
2: game number two is south carolina at vanderbilt south carolina is a 13 point favorite
0: two oh and two teams who
1: did south carolina play last week do you know anybody know yeah they got beat by florida okay they were actually fairly competitive in that game south carolina in the beginning yeah south carolina Carolina, yeah
2: Game three is number fourteen Tennessee at number three Georgia. Georgia is a twelve point favorite.
1: Georgia
0: smoked Auburn.
1: Yeah, they did. They looked really good. I honestly just don't think Auburn's that great, but like in Auburn standards. Sure. I don't think Georgia's that great in Georgia standards. They're ranked third in the country. Yeah.
0: But, I mean, that doesn't speak There's how good they are. But it's just kind of crazy that, that they're right. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to be rooting hard for Tennessee in this one. I'll tell you that. I kind of want to pick them just so I can be rooting for that.
1: I think it'll be a really close game, but I think I'm still going to pick Georgia.
0: Yeah, I better stick with Georgia. (laughs) I'm not going to go against them
2: and get burned again. (laughs) All righty. Game four is Arkansas at number 13, Auburn. Auburn is a 14-point favorite.
0: All right. We got to talk about Arkansas. They they beat Mississippi State last week and held them to 14 points. And then everybody comes out of the woodwork saying, oh, Barry Odom, he's got Mike Leach's number.
1: Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's Mississippi State's fraudulent. <laughs> <laughs> Which means LSU is fraudulent. Oh. Which means Vanderbilt is awful. Yeah. Which means A&M is awful. Yeah. So. What's, what's
0: that tell us about?
1: It means. Auburn nothing auburn's not great for auburn standards (laughs) but they're still gonna win against arkansas
0: mississippi state was ranked 16th when they lost to arkansas auburn's ranked 13th
1: yeah doesn't mean the rankings are right
0: both games both road games for arkansas
1: i can't believe arkansas won last week
2: what was the spread last week i don't remember it was like 18 points yeah it was big mississippi state
1: scored like what 14 points or something that's insane they scored like i think they threw 700 for seven hundred against. Yeah, they threw for six hundred yards us like you yeah. yeah.
0: Oh yeah, yards, not points. My bad.
1: <laughs> Same thing.
0: Uh, I'm gonna pick Auburn.
1: I'll pick Auburn. We don't have we don't have enough like close
2: games to like differ on. We might have one at the end here. <laughs> Game five, number two, Alabama at Ole Miss. Alabama. Alabama is a
1: twenty-four point favorite. Give me Bama.
2: Yeah, I already wrote you down. Thank you. And the last game is Mississippi State at Kentucky. Kentucky is a two and a half point favorite.
0: Kentucky's at home.
1: Why does Kentucky have to be favored?
0: I'll take Mississippi State.
1: I'll take Kentucky.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Kentucky will probably win.
1: Yeah, because Mississippi State sucks.
0: Well, yeah. We knew that. Well, yeah. Oh, so you agree with me? No, no, no. <laughs> they're a uh, passing offense. You know, it's gonna you're not even gonna believe what they're gonna do. So the only difference we have is this uh Mississippi State Kentucky game. Yep, there Prime will time. only
2: be a one point swing next week. Mm.
0: Well, I got some work to do, but mm. I'll start catching up. Rome wasn't well, built in the day.
2: One or two point swing.
0: Yeah. I'm gonna catch up in a hurry, actually. <laughs> yeah, if he's Rome was built. He's day, right, it's tied, so <laughs> Everything we just said, forget it all. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's the opposite. <laughs> all right. Uh, I think that's it for this week. Go Tigers. Oh, yeah. That's not your official outro.
1: Oh. All right. Guys, you can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Missouri Sports Pod. And you can email us at Missouri at gmail.com.
2: You, you can oh my gosh you can watch us on youtube what do you want you can get t-shirts and stickers at missourisportspod.bigcartel.com yes you can
1: and thanks to those who who made some purchases this week we appreciate that yeah we do
0: uh and you can see us on youtube and thank you everyone for listening we will see you next week